readers are more eclectic than we give them credit for. I mean, I don't think that I've met somebody. I've met people who read Amish romance and who will still also read something like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey. The queen of Christmas romance is on the steam seat today. Samantha Chase is back after being one of the very first guests on Steam Scenes. Samantha is a New York Times and USA Today bestseller of contemporary romance that's hotter than sweet and sweeter than hot. She released her debut novel in 2011 and currently has more than 80 titles under her belt, including The Christmas Cottage, which was a Hallmark Christmas movie in 2017. She's a Disney enthusiast who still happily listens to 80s rock. When she's not writing a new story, she spends her time reading romances, playing way too many games of solitaire on Facebook, wearing a tiara while playing her sassy pug, Maylene, and she wore it on this episode. Oh, and spending time with her husband of 30 years and their two sons in Wake Forest, North Carolina. She is also one of my favorite people, and we had a blast recording this. Um, so you're going to find out why I call her the queen of Christmas romance and fair warning, there is a ton of merriment in this episode. Before we get to the interview, you still have one more day to join Mark Dawson's self-publishing launchpad. The doors close tomorrow. That's December 1st. If you are a brand new author who wants to supercharge your career or an intermediate author who would like a little more guidance on growth, the Launchpad is the perfect place to gain knowledge and grow your author business. I have been part of the, that community since, I don't know, like 2015 or something like that. It's been, I've been there a really long time. Um, I think I was maybe like the in, in the second or third cohort when they opened the doors. Anyway, visit elgreco.rocks forward slash launchpad for details. That's elgreco.rocks forward slash launchpad. And as an added bonus, I am an affiliate. So buying through my link is a no cost way for you to support this podcast. Now, let's get holiday ready with Samantha Chase. My guest today needs no introduction, but we're going to do it anyway. Sitting on the steam seat for a second time is the incredible Samantha Chase, who I consider the queen of Christmas romance. All hail the queen. Welcome back to Steam Scenes, Samantha, Queen Samantha. I'm excited you came back. And did you bring your tiara? Of course I did. I can't go anywhere without it. (laughs) Sitting atop your head like a Christmas angel. That's right. Oh, I like that. I may have to use that for the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) I expect that uh, for your author picture for your next book. Yes. I did have have an author picture with my tiara, which I thought was hysterical. But after a while, I was like, that's not a flattering angle. And I was like, I can't use this picture anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like tiaras are a whole thing. Like we were just talking in the green room. Uh, the virtual green room about TikTok, and I saw for a while like a t- like wearing a tiara on TikTok was a thing. Mm-hmm. It was. You, I know. I know you. I know you said that your readers aren't on TikTok, but are you? Are you on TikTok? I think I did one video on it, and then I cried, and so I was like, "Yeah, I'm not going on there again." Because uh... <laughs> wait, what? You literally cried? I li- after seeing it, I cried because I don't li- like we were just talking about in the green room. Yeah. I don't like the way that I look on video. And it didn't matter how cute the video was. I, every angle, I was like, 
oh, I'm so fat. Oh, that's really bad. Oh, that's not flattering. And so I couldn't allow myself to do it. It was like crushing my self-esteem. And my publicist was like, stop doing it then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your publicist is wise. Doctor, why does it hurt when I do this? Well, stop doing that. (laughs) You know what was getting me? Like, because, okay, so I go into, I I like do the filters and I do like, and I have all of these tricks of like, make sure the camera's above. So like when it comes to, like if your camera is at like eye level, no. Yeah, you want like you know all of these tricks. So I'm like, okay, I look all right. I'm not, you know, I I can live with this and heavily filtered. But like, I swear to God, I turned like 48 and something happened to my neck. Oh, and I'm kind and I and every and and at certain points and there's no filter that changes that. Nope. And I'm like, and did you do you read Nora Ephron? I do. Oh my God! So did you read her short story collection? Um. I, I, I'm 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 sorry about my neck or something like that. She's got like this short story that's all about like that sort of like creepy neck that you get when you're what, and you're just like, what the fuck happened to my neck? Like that's where I am right now. Uh huh. It, you know, it's funny that you say that because I was getting my hair cut yesterday and like I kept looking my, at myself in the mirror and I was like, oh, ooh, ooh, oh. I was like, can we spin me while like put my back to the mirror while we're doing this because oh i don't want to look at that crap <laughs> i know i am so surprised that like the like salons are not more flattering i know crappy maybe lighting <laughs> yes maybe because they've got to like see what they're doing when they cut like i don't like, <laughs> i guess that's important but know. you know like why don't you guys just spread some vaseline on the mirrors like that, <laughs> or, you know <laughs> Or you know what I think would be best? Let your let your crappy lights be on while you're cutting and styling my hair. Then turn me away. Yes. Put the switch and some fabulous lighting and disco music comes on. You know, <laughs> I would be so all over that. I'm leaving writing. I'm opening a salon, and that is exactly what's uh-huh. going to happen. I would be there in a heartbeat. That would be fantastic. Oh my god. Okay, so we're here because it's the holidays. Yay. And yes. you are the queen of Christmas. You really I love are. you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going in your Instagram bio, right? I should team up with Mariah Carey because, I mean, <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> I love it. Do you think she's Mariah. listening right now? Do you think that she'll come in? <laughs> oh, my God. She absolutely she absolutely should. I think that she needs to write a song for your next Christmas I do. story. You know, her and I are both from Long Island. And I actually was friends with somebody who went to school with her. So, I mean, we're practically like best friends then, I think, right? Oh, my God. Well, oddly, I knew I I knew I went um, through a a course with her former personal assistant. Really? Yeah. And it was it was wild. (laughs) Did she spill all the tea on Mariah? She did spill some tea. (laughs) She spilled some tea. And Mariah is definitely a bit of a diva, but I think it all shocking, but it comes from a place of insecurity. Yeah. From what I sort of was able to glean from conversations that we would have. Okay. And that she's ultimate. I mean, this person was also very lovely and had the patience of a saint. Um, You know, so I don't know that I would be so generous, but it it really did seem like there was um, th- that she was very insecure. 
and and so would do things that were kind of like it, it was just coming from a place of almost desperation wow yeah yeah which is sort of surprising because it's like this is it's oh it's mariah carey like right. what she's insecure what yeah you, you're like okay so you're like a bajillionaire you're beautiful and you have like one of the best voices in the world what do you have to be insecure about well you know it's really funny because as i mean it's so funny we we're just talking about like my you know our, our appearances on yes. tiktok right <laughs> and <laughs> Sort of watching these iconic pop stars, female pop stars age or not age uh-huh. as it is. Have you seen Madonna? She scares me. Her appearance actually what? scares me. I mean, that's just, you know, and when I see that, I'm sort of like, okay, that is insecurity. Yeah. And so can you imagine Madonna being like, and and this is not something that just happened. Like she has right. had to carry this with her for ever uh-huh. this that level of insecurity right and so can you imagine being madonna and being insecure no, <laughs> no. like what no what i mean i think if i had that kind of money i'd probably do a little something to like what we were talking about with the neck and everything like that like oh absolutely like that <laughs> not like due to my not like totally like change my face so that it just doesn't move like well that's actually i mean i think that that really is sort of you know that that is a a psychological thing like that is a mental illness for sure um you know and there's got to be some sort of like she's looking in the mirror and she's seeing something that is not there right and she is not going to a doctor who's saying i am not going to do that right you know right right you know like like she or or she or maybe she is going to a doctor who's saying, I'm not going to do this. So she'll go to the next one and the ne- and she won't stop until she finds a doctor who will be like, mm-hmm. absolutely, we'll do that. So like, you know, I, that's why I just feel like my heart really breaks when I see her now. Yeah, it's it's because alarming. She, yeah, because she was beautiful and, you know, she would probably age beautifully. Right. Um, it was really, you know, th- this is so like off topic, but you know what? We're just going there because it's a steam scenes and it's what we do. Exactly. Um, I was in, um, I was working a project in LA and was very, very fortunate enough to have Jenna Rollins come to the oh, party. Wow. And like, I idolize this one. So I, if it, anybody doesn't know who Jenna Rollins, like look her up, old school actress. She was married to John Cassavetes. Um, she sort of had that, I guess, sort of Jane Mansfield, Marilyn Monroe kind of, but she was like very smart and very, um, you know, she was always kind of the smarter blonde, right? very beautiful, um, iconic. And I, and I got to, uh, you know, spend some time with her and it was a very small party and she, and so I actually like, instead of just like walking her down the red carpet and then never seeing her again, I actually got to sit down and have a drink with her. Really? Which was amazing. Oh, yes. Wow. Oh my God. And she was the kindest woman. Oh. Um, She put up with my babbling and being like, <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember she, she was so stunning and she let herself age. Right. And she was still gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She was still gorgeous. And, and so like, you know, and just thinking back to like those actors who were brought it, they came up in a very different time than like, you know, I mean, obviously Madonna wasn't brought up with social media, but, you know, she did make a career in part because of MTV. Yeah. 
You know, what was it they always talk about? Like MTV changed everything for rock stars. Like before in the 70s, like all the rock bands that you listened to were just really ugly. Yes. And yes. unattractive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they had a face for radio, yes. right? Like yeah. it didn't matter what they looked like. <laughs> And then all of a sudden MTV happened and now it was like, oh shit. Yeah. We need them to be good looking. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. You know, and so imagine like so that's kind of like what your career is built on, right? Yep. And what happens when you age? I don't know. It's such a complicated thing. I don't because did you watch any of the did you see any of the pictures from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction last weekend? Um, a little bit, not a whole lot. Okay, so Pat Benatar was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And she came out there with her gray hair, you know, and she looked fantastic. Like, and she's not like, I don't know, she's got to be in her, I think she's in her 60s. I mean, she embraced that shit and she looked fantastic. I just think more people should do that. Embrace it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, a a little unfair, but Paulina Parakova. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I follow her on Instagram and she is just like not getting any work done i mean granted she's a supermodel right but, so she yeah but you know so not all she's super, always gonna look good not all supermodels age as well like i think that she she definitely like she looks her age but she you know she's able to walk around in a bikini so i mean well yes there's that yeah that that always helps <laughs> you know but i think you know and and also you know i i was um saw a photo of j-lo that was like one of those like you know, not a paparazzi shot. Right. So it was kind of, you know, her at like a beach in a bathing suit. And it was a weird angle. And she looked, it was a little far away and kind of grainy. Right. But I was like, if that's JLo, like, it made me feel so much better about myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I think that a lot of times, you know, women in the public eye, I get it. Like it's their business to, it's their job to look good, right? Like that, like so much hinges on their fuckability. Yep. Um, but you know, and that's not to say JLo didn't look good because, but she's 50. Right. She's like 53. Right. You know, and certain things happen when you're in your 50s. Right. And, and you could see that happen to JLo in this picture. And I was like, she still looked fantastic. Right. But she looked 50. Right. She didn't look 32. And here's the thing that like people don't realize any of us could go into a, into a photography studio with that kind of hair and makeup team and that level Mm -hmm. of photography and then have it all touched up and we'd look fuckable too. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I know. That's why I love the filters. Yep. I love the filters. They almost get us there. <laughs> I mean, you know, like people, people don't realize a lot of these pictures that you're seeing online are so heavily touched up. It's not yeah. reality. No, it is not reality. It is not reality. And it's, and it's mind fucking young girls. Yep. Oh yeah. It really is. It really is. And also like not talked about, it's also mind fucking boys. Yeah. I mean, this is something that is sort of like the dirty little secret of Hollywood. Um, you know, remember when Burt Reynolds was a sex symbol? Right. I do. And he was kind of dad body yeah. when he was laying on that bearskin rug yeah. or whatever. Oh. <laughs> oh, now I'm gonna have to like wash my eyes with bleach just thinking about that again. Oh, <laughs> Like, he was kind of dad bod. Like, there were no real, like, ripped muscles going on. And he was a sex symbol. Mm -hmm. He was a fucking sex symbol for my mom, you know, my mom's generation. And, like, 
I'm like, now, like, these guys have to be, like, ripped. Yeah. And, you know, and and cut. And they're, like, you know, 2% body fat, which is really hard to do all the time Uh and maintain. You know, and it's just a very different, really kind of shallow and upsetting world. Like, you know, us mere mortals don't have a chance, no, right? not you at know? all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Merry fucking Christmas. Yeah. Because that's what we're talking yep. about here. Okay. I need to ask you. Okay. Your Royal Highness. <laughs> how many holiday books have you written? <laughs> when when you told me you were gonna ask that i was like i thought i knew the answer and then i counted and i have 17 christmas books are you fucking kidding no. me you are like an entire season of hallmark thank you hallmark if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> well you've already had one the yes. christmas cards okay so so i haven't i have never had like I've never watched a Hallmark Christmas movie because I've never had the Hallmark channel. Because right. um, we were an early adopter of cord cutting. Okay. So like I didn't did not have cable when Hallmark showed up. Right. So a couple of weeks ago, I saw like Peacock, which Yellowstone's coming back, and they were running a special where now they have like the Hallmark Channel on Peacock, and I was like, take my money. Yeah. I have been watching. <laughs> I am like ODing on these goddamn Christmas movies. And you know, they are like crack. I swear. Like they people, are like crack. People who you would never even think would sit down and enjoy a Hallmark movie will will totally binge that crap and like not have any not even care. Like if they lose days of their lives just sitting watching those movies. I could totally there is something so satisfying. Well, first of all, I always was like, oh, the acting is probably crappy. The acting is really not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's really pretty good. Right. You know, it's a lot of, um, I think it's a lot of daytime TV people. Yes. And daytime TV people are really solid actors. Uh-huh. Um, like, they know their shit. Right. Because that's their training ground. Like, daytime TV is like, you know, 12 hours a day, every day. Right. You're constantly on set. Like, that really is sort of like you know, a a repertory training program for a lot of actors. And so the acting is pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. And um, I also like how they, you know, it's funny that we're talking about it. The actors look are good looking, but they're pretty normal looking. They are. They are. There's nobody so over the top that you're like, they wouldn't be living in a small town working in a bakery. You know? There's no way. Yeah. You know, so I kind of, and even the guys too, like the guys are maybe like, oh, he's good looking, but he's not like, oh, he's not like, you know, Brad Pitt, draw, like, you know, oh my God, over the top gorgeous. He's like, oh, he's really cute and cinnamon rolly. Yep. This, all right. The cinnamon roll, that is like something that I just discovered is a thing. Like a few months ago, I was like, when did that phrase come out? When did, like, when did that become a thing? But I love it. <laughs> Yes, it is. And you write a cinnamon roll. I do. That's what everybody said to me. They're like, how could you not know what it is? That's what you write. And I'm like, because I don't, I never put a label on them. These are just the way that these characters come to me. Well, I think that the labels are starting to happen because of TikTok. Like, I know one of the things that sort of was going around TikTok was, we like medium spice. And I'm like, I like sporty spice. Like, what? (laughs) Like, what is medium? Like, what does that mean? And, you know, and it's like, and spice is different to everybody. Like, 
you know, uh, you know, like you were talking. <laughs> we should talk about this. Your rom com. <laughs> you were talking in the green room before with that rom com, <sighs> and sort of like readers getting very angry about things. Yeah. That, you know, like you kick the heat level up like a half a notch, and people are like, "Oh my god, now it's so different. I don't know what to do." And it's, and it's like, okay, it really, really wasn't all that different. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Really right, because you close the door. Yeah. You are a closed door. But you are not a sweet, and again, I know a lot of people hate that term, not a fan. You know, you are not a sweet writer. I'm not, but nobody nobody seems to listen to the rest of that statement. Like, as, as soon as they hear behind closed doors, I could have a neon banner that says foreplay on the page, and all they'd still hear is closed door. Samantha Chase doesn't write sex. It's closed door. But you write sexy. Yes, I do write sexy. So readers, I I think, don't know what to do with me. Other authors certainly don't know what to do with me. Like when they're getting together for anthologies and stuff, like they don't know where to where to put me. Right. And it's a little, it's a little insulting sometimes because I'm like I could only say it so many times. Like okay, I don't think because I close the door that you know, like you said, I'm certainly not clean and wholesome. Right. Okay, I am that medium spice. You, <laughs> I am that medium spice. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to think I'm sporty spice, but I'm not. <laughs> You're medium I, spice. You got the tears. I, <laughs> I think that I should, I should Photoshop myself into a photo with the Spice Girls and be yes! like medium spice. <laughs> there's sporty spice. There's whatever spice, yeah. and then there's. Spicy spice and there's medium spice. (laughs) Well, you know, I I think that this is really because again, watching right, watching Hallmark, and it's like almost like I'm kind of kicking myself for not watching it before I wrote my own holiday, which was I don't know. I think that's gonna like circle the drain, but we'll see what happens. Um, we you know, um, you're. The sweetness of Hallmark, and I think because maybe you had that Hallmark movie, mm-hmm. which was The Christmas Cottage right. in 2017, um, I'm wondering if that and, – and they did, you know, because you get that one chase kiss at, kiss at the end. Right, which is so not what the book was. Right, and I remember you saying that in, in the last in our first episode together that you were like, you know, you you had no it, like you had no idea what they were doing, yep. and you never even watched it until it aired, and you were like, that wasn't my book. Exactly, exactly, and you know, and I always feel bad admitting that because I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about the movie. I thought the movie was great. Right, it just was not my book. So like when people who love the movie are like, oh, I have to get a copy of the book. I like I almost want to have to like give them a disclaimer like okay I know that you like the movie the book is different <laughs> you know <laughs> so get ready that's a little steamy yes. like like that like that's the thing like I think I also wonder if I I wonder if the industry isn't very good at sort of almost explaining like the jargon as much as it is jargon because I think like the romance industry jargon right gets out to the readers but it's never like a 100% like cl- clear thing and then they start pushing back cuz they're like well I don't think it should be sweet romance because there's nothing wrong with you know right. sex on the page and that should you know or clean I think that was the one that everyone yeah, was complaining clean was about. what everybody clean. yeah yeah and then but when you say when you say sweet like I have seen some authors doing like 
oh, it's a sweet romance with sex. And I'm like, then it's That's not sweet. No, <laughs> it's not. And it is. It's a fine line to walk. And yeah. they want that audience who wants the sweeter stuff. And I think they want to see, like, how far can they push it, you know, with how sexy can they can they put it before somebody's like, hey, that's not sweet. You know, right. that's not it. And, you know, readers, readers are more eclectic than we give them credit for. I mean, I don't think that I've met somebody. I've met people who read Amish romance and who will still also read something like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey. So, I mean, right. it's how the story makes you feel, I think, more than... I think we put too much emphasis on how much sex is on the page. If you right, I mean, I I think you know, are people doing that for clout? I think so, or at least maybe like the because it just feels like you know, like there's one author that I follow, and or not author, it's a reader, I think, but they do a lot of memes. Okay, and they're really funny, right? You know, and they're but they're but it's always about all of the sex. Yes, and I'm sort of going. You know, I think that this, like, it's funny, but I feel like we're, the nuance is being lost. Yeah. And the whole point of romance is being lost. And it is kind of playing into that, oh, that's just like lady porn. Right. Dismissiveness. Yep. Yeah. And we struggle with you that know, already. I, like, you know, just in general, like, romance is a, is a genre that doesn't get taken seriously on so many levels. But then when right. you start adding this sort of a thing in, it's like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another hill to climb, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's like erotica can be great fun, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there, there, but, but I think that when it gets to a point where it's sort of like it's just about the sex and it's really not about the journey, right. You know, um, then I kind of go, well, wait, what are we doing? Right. And I'm going to be a potty mouth for a minute so you can bleep me out if you need to. But, oh, no, um... no, no. This is a, all <laughs> all salt all the time. Okay. No, no. <laughs> so I think a lot of books, it, it's just a fuck fest. Okay. Like yeah. there is no, there is no growth. There is no journey. It's a fuck fest. And that's where it is. Then, then that is like the porn, porn for moms or whatever you want to call it. And I enjoy a good sex scene in a book, but like I also really like seeing the characters and watching them go through all this. I want yeah. the emotional roller coaster with them, you know. Yeah, and there, there needs to be a point. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you, why are your characters like when I when I'm about to write a scene, I'm like, why are my characters doing this thing? Right. Like, what what is driving them? How is this act going to change them? Right. Otherwise, you're just going to, like, I skip sex scenes in books. I do, too. A lot of times. I if I'm like, too. oh, here they go again. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. <laughs> because it's just a lot of acrobatics. Yes. Yeah. Unrealistic acrobatics a lot of the time, yeah. too. So let's put that out there. <laughs> so, like, you know, if I'm not seeing, if I'm not seeing in those scenes emotional growth between the characters or some sort of change, um, you know, I'm I'm probably going to skip the next one. Right. I agree because there there is too, there is such a thing as too much sex in a book. There is, believe it or not. Well, you know what's what's interesting, and I only got to really discover this about myself as I've re-released the books, like we were talking about in the green room. Um, when I, I started writing, I did write more more sex, more on the page 
sex. I didn't I didn't have more yeah. sex scenes, but the sex that was had being had was a little more descriptive. <laughs> more explicit. <laughs> now, why did you play? Because I think I would imagine that like, you know, writing sex is hard. It is. For me, I know for some authors, there it's just like, you know, another day in front of the laptop. But like, for me, it's hard. I hate it. Um, <laughs> I, I absolutely, like, I, I almost embarrass myself. Like, I'll type and like, I don't even want to look at the screen. Like, okay, just do it. Get it over with. <laughs> See, this is the thing. If I have to change my, like, if I have to start doing dictating when I'm telling, like, ah, yeah. I don't know. That's true. I don't know that I will be able to do that. All right. When you dict, then what you do is you just put. Insert sex Insert here. sex scene. <laughs> I know. But then also because it's part of the emotional growth and the emotional journey, like I guess that's going to, I'm going to have to make a real point of knowing what they're going to have, how they're going to get to where they're going to be at the end of that. Right. 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 You know, um, if so that I can put in the insert sex scene here because there's no way I'll be able to like say that out loud no. while I'm driving. No, not at all. No way. No. No way. <laughs> I can do it here with your stuff, right. you know, <laughs> but I can't do it there. No, I, I remember, I remember going to a signing once and like the readers, they wanted us, uh, I was signing with Sarah Humphreys and they were like, we want you guys to like read a scene from your book. And I had to make sure that it was a scene that just definitely did not even hint at sex or anything. Cause I knew I would just want to crawl under the table. <laughs> like nobody look at me while I say this out loud. <laughs> even write explicit but even just a little bit i was like no can't do it (laughs) like i'm a prude writer but i'm not a prude reader so i mean what the hell (laughs) (laughs) okay so you had said if you could write a holiday romance you have 17 of them yep that was all what do you like about them oh my gosh i well first of all i love christmas like christmas is my favorite favorite time of the year like if I could leave Christmas decorations up year round I would I would just be the happiest person in the world and I just feel like there's a whole mood there's a whole vibe that goes Mm. on like some people start it right after like Halloween I'm a little bit more like late November December 1st like bam there you are and everything just you just feel lighter or at least I do and so right. in a romance, I just love having that atmosphere. Like there's always going to be somebody who is not crazy about the holidays. Like I find that in every book, like that you've got like almost like the grumpy sunshine, like somebody, somebody loves it. Somebody not really a fan, you know, right. or that they just, that it's not important to them. And I think that it is so much fun to like poke that bear and be like, you're going to like it. You're going to like the holidays. You're going to eat cookies. You're going to have cocoa and it's going to be fucking magical. And that's all there is to it. You know? Well, you know, I think I, I love that you said it's going to be, it's going to be fucking magical because so I wrote my first, I wrote my first holiday romance. Uh I kind of cheated a little bit because I had to retrofit it because it originally wasn't a holiday. Okay. And then my editor was like, well, what's your holiday? novella and I was like my, my what, what? My, what? <laughs> because, like I don't think about these things until like October right and I'm like oh shit right and so this was earlier than October but I was like there is no way I can get another book out you know fully written right and I had this novella kicking around and it wasn't done and I was like you know I could probably make this a Christmas story right and when I submitted it to her she was like mm, yeah it's good but you know what where's the magic and I was like 
the magic. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, the magic. Right. Like, what? Like, it was some Harry Potter shit here. And I got what she was saying, but I found it very difficult to write. Oh, you know, and, and I think, like, I think that that's very common because I think unless you're, like, an elf like I am who is, like, is all about the holiday, like, like in a, I could turn that shit on in a heartbeat. <laughs> but if you, <laughs> if you threw any other holiday at me, I'd be like, uh, like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know, but Christmas stuff, I, I don't know. It's just, like I told you in, in the green room, I would write it year round if, if I thought it would sell. So how do you infuse, like, what, to, like, what, what infuses the magic? Like, is it like, I mean, is it like hot chocolate and snow? No. You know, I, of course I'm writing a book where there is no snow. <laughs> like I'm writing a location where, so that was not helpful. All right. So when I was going back in like the beginning of my career, like I, my Christmas books were like full on in your face Christmas. Okay. Then when I got traditionally published, they wanted like a 90,000 word book. And there was no way that I could make a 90,000 word book be like Christmas, like exploding in your face. Like it's just not right. not possible. So it had to have holiday um, elements to it. Okay. And that I found a little bit harder to do because I felt like readers could be like, okay, here's your token Christmas scene. And here, yeah. you know, like that sort of thing. But in... Uh, like in my book, A Dash of Christmas, which is book 10 in the Montgomery's. And like, we need it. We knew it was going to be a Christmas release. Um, their whole thing was that they were writing a Christmas cookbook. So they were having to sort of play around with, with Christmas settings and Christmas, everything that, that had to deal with the holidays. They were dealing with that for like weeks on end. And like talking about, well, what was your Christmas like growing up as a child? And what did you, what did your family do? So that sort of thing, you know, it was more like leading up to Christmas. Okay. Which was, which was kind of fun. And in Holiday Spice, which was the, the other Christmas book I did with, uh, with the traditional publisher, they were snowed in together. He was somebody who didn't celebrate Christmas and she loved Christmas and she loved to bake Christmas cookies. So while they're snowed in together, she is just baking. And again, like sort of like in your face, like you're going to, you're going to fucking love these cookies and it's going to make you love <laughs> Christmas. And, you know, just like little things like that. But in a, in a 90,000 word book, it, it can't be, you can't be doing that the whole time. Like you have to have that, that journey of what else they're doing. And Christmas is sort of like a perk. Right. And the independent ones, those are like 55 to 65,000 words. Okay. And like I had a Christmas town, like Silver Bell Falls series, like the the town was called Silver Bell Falls. So, so it's obviously a Christmas town. Exactly. You know, you bring somebody in who doesn't like Christmas and all of a sudden she's surrounded by like, you know, Christmas threw up everywhere, every block that you went on, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know. And of course, she's going to fall in love with the guy who is like, you know, the sheriff of the Christmas town. And this is what he loves. And, you know, so I do. It's a lot of it's a lot of the Christmas traditions that I love playing on. It's the parades. It's the decorating. It's the, you know, it's the cocoa and the cookies, you know, just little little elements like that. Right. Mm-hmm. See, okay, that's okay. I'm feeling slightly better about because, you know, I have elements. I have the Christmassy elements. Right. But I can't say that, you know, and it, it there is a little bit of holiday magic because it's an insta love. Right. Okay. Um, you know, so and so 
I know readers hate that, but whatever. I, love, I love it. I believe in insta love. I do okay, too. Good. I do too. I, my husband and I, 33 years, that was insta love. Oh my God, mine too. How did we not talk about it? I don't this? know. Like, I. How quick did I you get literally, married? Well, we didn't get married quick, but like, I literally saw him through a doorway and I, I was like, that's the man I'm going to marry. Like, I just knew. And we moved in together like two months later. Oh, oh my God. God. Yep. yep. Oh, oh my God. Okay. See, I love that because people are like, insta love. And I'm like, no, no, no. Insta love is real. It is real. Insta love is real. Um, because I, I married my husband a month after I met him. Did you really? Yeah. <gasps> I love that. Yeah. We eloped in Vegas. I want to put that in the book. <laughs> Well, this is in my book. This is in my. Please do, yeah. um, because they, because we can never have too many Vegas elopements. There you go. Like immediately. There you go. Um, and so the, this this holiday book is like basically like a, a Vegas elopement. Right. Like, but they meet in Vegas. It's not like they fly there. Okay. But it's just this sort of like, hey, let's get married. And there's all sorts of like, you know, I actually had to put a disclaimer in the book because when we got married. Um, the city hall where you get your marriage license was open 24 seven. Oh, and they ended that in like 2014, I think. Okay. So like now you, you can only go like, you know, bankers hours, right. which I think is stupid. It is. Because there was something, talk about magic. Like there was something really magical about being in a long ass line right. at like, 10 o'clock at night on like a Saturday yep. and everybody's in a really good mood and everybody's in love and everybody's drunk uh-huh. and they're like, and it's just like a party. It's like, it's like the strip, but inside this like bureaucratic weird little building. Right. And the women that work there are like brassy blondes and they are, and they like, how can you not love love right? when you're in this environment? Yeah. You oh. know, and I will say 90% of those marriages failed, I bet. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But in that moment, in that environment, it was absolutely incredible. And it really made you believe in love. I love that. And they don't do that anymore. But I was like, well, fuck them. It, in my world. That's right. It's still open 24-7. Yeah. And you can go at 11 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and get your marriage license. And then you can go and get Elvis out of bed yes. and get married by Elvis. Like, you can do those things, even though you probably can't anymore. Yeah. But um, because there was just something so much fun about being able to do that. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. So I'm a huge fan. So so mine has, like, this insta-love and all that. You know, so there is a little bit of that magic because Insta Love, I think, is very magical, but I don't think it's Christmassy enough. Why? Well, also, like, there's no snow in Vegas. No, but there's some kick-ass, uh, like, like holiday displays. Like, I, we were just we were there in December, and um, I went for met a friend for drinks at the Bellagio, and like their Christmas display in there was freaking gorgeous, over the top, gorgeous. Yeah, I mean that's what Vegas does, yeah. you know, right? Like they have like these really great like Christmas, you know. Um, but again, like that's that was so like it's you know not really part of the plot, right? So it's sort of Christmas, but not really. I don't know. I feel like I might have missed the mark on this, and I'm a little bit nervous about that. I don't think you should be nervous about that because you know plenty of people write holiday romances in places that don't where there's not snow, right? You know what I mean. That right. so I don't think that that's a, that's a necessary ingredient. 
I know that the Hallmark right. Channel will tell you otherwise, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I will say all of mine have had snow. And actually, I did a I did a Christmas novella for my Magnolia Sound series, and like Magnolia Sound is the North Carolina coast. I mean, like they hardly ever get snow, and I made it snow there because I was like, it has happened there, so I can get away with it. <laughs> If I had said that that story was in like Southern Florida, there was no way you could have a freak snowstorm happening there. (laughs) Absolutely not. But, you know, in places, you know, like even in Vegas, I'm sure that like it wouldn't be so unheard of that somebody like in the hotels that they like the fake snow make it snow oh yeah you know yeah i did have fake snow yep. i did have like there you know you fake go. snow coming out of a cannon i did do that there you go so see you've got your <laughs> snow element <laughs> all is not lost <laughs> but i mean i guess just watching like I, I like i think just watching these hallmark movies and i was kind of like like you know because it really is like you get this sort of it's the reason for the season right mo- you yeah. know like there, there is this sort of like you know, there whatever issue is going on with the two main characters that are falling in love, they're either falling in love because of Christmas or they're falling in love in spite. Like, right. there's always something about the holiday that seems to be bringing them closer right. together. Well, because I think at the holidays, like, that is a time that, like, everybody... Everybody, like, I know it's a cliche, but people like you're always a little bit nicer at the holidays. People get together more. People that you don't talk to, like from January to November, you're hanging with them in December. You know, there's always reasons for a party or a get together. So I think that adds to it as well. Like there's just a right. more festive atmosphere. And that, right. that festive just happens to be Christmas, you know? Right. And no right. other holiday does that kind of like hoopla, you know? Where it's like, yeah, it's a season rather than like a day. Yeah, because that's not Fourth of July. Exactly. It's and even Val- right? <laughs> even Valentine's Day. I mean, like you got here's here's your day. Get your romance yeah. on and get the fuck out. Like that's yeah. it. <laughs> Although I think one could argue Halloween is starting to become a season. Yes, I have started to see that. Mm-hmm. And somebody told me. Um, it was for my day job. Interestingly enough, I was doing an interview with somebody who um, talk about, okay, so like I, I have a, I have a very small town that I live near. Okay. That was like, um, like it was like USA Today's best small town in America or something like really? that. Really? It is so fucking cute. Like it really is. Like it rivals that sort of like Stars Hollow, Gilmore Girls. Oh, wow. New England, small New England town. You have to come visit me. Yes. And I'll take you to I want to go there. I want, as Liz Lemon would say, I want to go to there. (laughs) So they do this whole Halloween thing now. And, you know, like it's beautiful at Christmas. Like it's absolutely magical at Christmas in this little town. But like they're now doing this whole Halloween thing. And I was talking to this woman who now heads up this thing. They do the witches dance at this Halloween parade. And it's like this big, it's turned into like this big statewide thing. Um, And she had said to me that like, uh, Halloween people something like people spend more on Halloween decorations than they do on Christmas decorations or something like it was something like that it was like the most widely celebrated holiday in the United States that is wild that's wild right 
Wow. And so now it feels like we roll into like, you know, before, like after back to school shit, we, we would go right into Christmas. Like, remember yes. that when that used to happen? Yep. Now I feel like they're like, like September 1st, they're rolling out the Halloween right. stuff. Although, and that I think is really cool. Although I, I did notice this year that like they, they took Halloween down fast. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, November one, it's gone. Yeah, there were even some stores that like that last week of October, the Halloween stuff was down, and I was like, okay, can't we just wait till like the actual holiday and then transition the next day? Right. You know? Right. No. 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 <laughs> sort of like, sort of like Disney World. Like at midnight, they tear down all the fall decorations, and then all the it- stuff goes up. <laughs> so in the in like those eight hours that they have, like the whole thing transforms. But that's really incredible. Does it really? It does. It does. There's videos oh on it. God. There's videos on it. It's wild. Oh, there are. Because I got to check that out because I'm sort of wondering how many people, how much manpower does that take? Human power. Yeah. Like I had read an article and I'm like, somebody got their figures wrong because they were like, oh, we're really a small department. And it's like, okay, if you have four theme parks in, in Florida alone that you have to transform overnight, you're not a small department. Maybe, There's no way. Maybe you have a small leadership team. But the actual people out there working cranes and getting on ladders has got to be a huge amount. Okay, don't don't mess with me, Disney writer, because I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Look at the video. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I've been sort of stuck about like what I'm going to write next, you know, once this holiday romance is out. And now I'm sort of going, maybe I'll try like, maybe I'll try to write a Halloween romance. It's so funny that you say that because I just asked my reader group a few weeks ago. I was like, are, holiday, are Halloween romances a thing? Because I never saw any. And they, they were like, it should be. So you could be like launching something big, my friend. I say let's, go for it. Let's do it. Uh-huh. Oh, you should do one too. Actually, the book that I have coming out on December 6th actually opens with it's it's like all holidays it opens with Halloween we go through Thanksgiving and it ends with Christmas and New Year so like I got everything in there this time (laughs) oh my god so okay now is this the one that's your Christmas release but you're like oh it's not really exactly really Christmas right it's not in your it's not in your face Christmas like my other stuff so now why did you decide to do that this time (laughs) I was a like the way that I was releasing this new series, like book one had just come out in October and I didn't want to break stride and, and throw in a, like a standalone Christmas type of book. So I was like, okay, so let's just make this one holiday ish, but in order to keep it so that the covers all matched and like that one wasn't so blatantly Christmassy, you know, like, so that one has the red font. That's like my ode to Christmas in it. You know, like, <laughs> it's it's hard to do because, you know, I like I said, launching a new series, I didn't want to take away from that and, and make yeah. readers forget about it that quick because they will forget about it that quick. You know, something new yeah. comes along. You know, I wanted to keep the momentum going. So... Right. You know how many how many books in this new series do you think, or is it is it going to be like an ongoing thing, or do you have like an end end in mind? Right for it? now, it's a five book series, but like I've sort of left it, and because it's a family, I made sure that I introduced early on that there are several branches 
of the family so that we're not scrambling if this becomes wildly successful. And I'm like, (laughs) you have other characters to pull from. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. My goal is to really someday like be able to write a series that just keeps going and going sort of like Bella Andre's uh, Sullivan's. Like that's Mm. my dream. I want to be like that successful and have that kind of a family that people want to keep reading. And that you can keep spinning off and spinning off. Exactly. I mean, what, how do you sort of, I get, I get, oh my God, I have so many questions in my head and they're all dancing. (laughs) Like, how do you know where you're like, yeah, I can keep going with this? Is it, because obviously like, you know, when you're writing a series, Mm -hmm. you have a lot of readers on book one, Mm -hmm. you lose some readers to book two. Right. I kind of feel like if you're making it to book four or five, you're in it. You are. You know, but, but you, but you do lose your readers as you keep going. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. There was okay. So before I started writing, I was on a reader, a, an author's street team, and she was a big name author. She was traditionally published, and her series that I signed on with eventually went to like twenty two books, wow. and I tapped out at like book nine because I'm like, this is the same fucking book over yeah. and over and over. And what she was doing was that really frustrated me um, is that she kept, because it was a small town, every book, she made sure that she was catching up with like everybody. So your couple who you bought this book for because their little blurb like got your attention and all of a sudden like their story was getting shorter and shorter and shorter because so much time was being spent on the people in the town. And I just, I go, oh. so I, I lost interest. I completely lost interest. I mean, at that point, don't you like, wouldn't it make sense, more sense to write like some free novellas that you give away to your readers? That's what I would have thought, you know. Or like some free chapters, like a couple of sh- really short stories or, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that because I have had an experience with that once or twice. And, and that really irks me because mm-hmm. it's like, well, because it, it gives short shrift to the couple. Right. That you want to read about. Exactly. So when I started, okay, so my first family series that I did was the Montgomery's. And I really thought that that was just going to be three books. Like that was all that I was prepared for. And I was, this was going back to like 2013. So I was very new to writing. And by the end of book three, readers were just like rabid. They were like, there's got to be more. You got it. There's got to be cousins. There's got to be something like, you know, you have to keep writing. And that book, end, right. that series ended up going to 10. The next series I did, I, I capped it at seven. And it was actually supposed to be capped at six. But there was like a family friend who was, who'd been like, he'd popped up in every book. <laughs> and so everybody was like, well, where's Bobby's story? So I was like, all right, so I guess this, this book will be seven, you know, in it. But Magnolia Sound, I found for me, like, I could have kept going with that, but with that series, like it ended at book 11 and I could have kept going, but the readership wasn't there. Hmm. You know, like your pre-orders go down, you, you know, you, you noticing like there's not as much traction in release week. And so you have to, as an author, you have to ask yourself like, okay, maybe these readers are going to be buying the book three months from now, but I have to be making money now I have to be writing and being, you know, generating income now. And maybe what I need to do is start something new and maybe, maybe in a year or two, I can come back to the series. 
Right. So you don't feel like you're done with Montgomery. Like you could keep, you might keep going. I could, I could very easily. There's always, there's always more back, you know, out there that you can do. Right. And I actually right. like, but you would need to see the number. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, like I, I have to wonder, you know, at what point, when is it too long to go back? You know, like, mm. okay. So I had done a, a band, a rock and roll band trilogy, um, with my traditional publisher and it was just the three books and it was a fan favorite. And yeah. what, so when I got the books back, I was part of some little promo group on small town romances. And we had to put, we had to put out a free novella one, one month, like brand new content. And people had asked about the band manager. Like, when is he going to get a story? So <laughs> I wrote this 20,000 word novella for him. And like that's that book, the, that series, the last book had come out in like 2019. Okay. So people were like, yeah, okay. Like a novella, but what about a book for him? What about, so once I got the rights back to that little, you know, freebie novella, now mm -hmm. I expanded it to a full length book and I'll release that next year and we'll see if oh, wow. readers are still there. Oh, very cool. Yeah. How many how many books do you release a year generally? I know that you had a busy year yeah. in, you know. This year <laughs> definitely was not a good year to go by. But um, one, two, three. Normally around six or seven releases a year. That's extraordinary. Yeah. And I'm very consistent with it. Like I, I have, you know, this is what I do. Like every seven to eight weeks, bam, there's a book. So how are you, like, what is your process with that? Like, are you, do you write the whole thing and then set it to, send it to edits? Do you write a chunk and send that chunk to edits? And while they're editing, your editors are editing, you keep going. Like, how does that look? No, I write the whole thing. Okay. And I actually, I'm one of those people that like, I start in chapter one and I plow through until the end of the book. I do not stop and edit. I don't stop and tweak. I don't do any of that. I, the book has to be written. And then once it's done, I let, I let it sit for like a week where I don't look at it. Mm -hmm. I don't think about it. And then I pull it back out. And that's when I start running it through like, um, like pro writing aid and Grammarly, like to check yeah. out stuff. And then while I'm rereading, that's when I do my tweaking. And then I send it off to my editor. Wow. Mm -hmm. So how many words a day are you doing? Because if you can get this out in like eight weeks and you're letting it, you know, sort of like simmer for a week, like that's pretty, I feel like you're probably writing a lot of words a day. It depends on the book. Okay. We went, my husband and I went away to the beach for a week back in October and right. I wrote in six days, essentially, I wrote 52,000 words in six wow. days. And that is rare. That that doesn't happen, but we were away. There were no distractions. Right. And like, for me, like some, some authors have like a whole setup, like whether it's a certain music playing in the background, a certain room or whatever. For me, the beach sound of the ocean that puts me, that is my total Zen place. And that's where you really can yep. sort of like you know, find your, find your, find your voice easiest. Exactly. Exactly. So when a story is really there, I can, I can easily bang out 5,000 words a day. Some days I'll bang out 10,000 words a day. And then there are days that I won't write at all. Wow. Yeah. But when I am in the zone 
everybody better back the fuck off because I am fighting. <laughs> I don't care if you're hungry. I don't care, like, you know, if dinner needs to be cooked or you don't have clean clothes. I don't care. <laughs> Do it yourself because I'm busy. <laughs> So I have a very understanding family and my kids are grown. <laughs> so everybody can fend for themselves. You know, I don't, right, I don't right. have to be doing all of that. Right. Right. Oh my God. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, I have like the day, you know, I still have my day job, even though, you know, was freelance for a long time and now I'm having like a real job come up right. and like a real job and I'm going, how the fuck am I going to do this? <laughs> But, you know, okay, so I was just part of a book that came out from uh, Jennifer Probst and Aaron Branscombe called What I Wish I'd Known. Okay. And I got asked to be part of it because I had done an interview. Uh, Aaron had interviewed me, and we talked about how I started writing. And mm. we lived in this tiny, tiny house. It was like 900 square feet. There were four of us living in it. And I was working and I was like, I'm, I'm going to write. And so we had this little yeah. desk in the corner of the dining room. And after mm -hmm. dinner, that's where I'd sit and write. And if things got too loud, because who's playing video games, who's watching the TV, who's doing whatever, then I take, I had a laptop and I would go in the bedroom and I'd sit on the bed and I would write, I would write at work. I'd write on my lunch break. I'd write in the morning. Like I would find like, like a squirrel, yeah. like I was just going to find every little time. spot to do yeah. it. I don't recommend letting it consume you the way that it consumed me in the beginning, but yeah. you know, if it's something that you're passionate about, of course you're going to find the time yeah. to do it. Yeah. Cause I, I was like that with my first one, when I was writing urban fantasy, that's sort of what it was. Like it would squirrel away time, you know, at night after my daughter went to bed, you know, I'd sort of like my husband would fall asleep and I'd just be sitting up in bed typing, yeah. typing, typing, you know, or first thing in the morning, like early in the mm -hmm. morning. You know, but then it just, you know, then I was able to get into more of a groove with like, you know, doing it first thing in the morning. And, you know, I, I didn't have, but I didn't have a commute. Right. Because I've always been freelance. So I've worked from home. Right. And the, and not having that commute was the reason why I was able to do right. it. Oh, yeah. You know, and now I'm like, well, shit, I have a commute. <laughs> and it's a long <laughs> one. <laughs> And my dad, like, I don't know. I don't know. He must think I'm independently wealthy or something. Because he was like, what about a car and driver? And oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what planet are you living right. on right now? Right. Are you going to fund said car and driver, dad? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He was like, well, why did you get a car and driver? Oh I was gosh. like, are you kidding? <laughs> I love that, though. I love his optimism. <laughs> I know, I know, because a car and driver is going to pay. Yeah, my my books pay for a car yeah. and driver. What the fuck I is wish. that about? <laughs> That's the dream. I <laughs> you know, know. Like, that is just the dream. <laughs> it's like somebody can drive you, and you can just sit in the back and write. Oh. I was like, that would be awesome. Right? If I could afford that, I would not be going back to work to like. To work. I know. That's what I, I was like. Well, if I could afford that, I don't know that yeah. I'd be taking this job. But okay, right. okay. You know, I, and I was like, it. it I don't know. You've, like I said, you you find the way, and there are so many people who are so disciplined. Like they're going to get up that yeah. extra hour early, and they're going to get those words in, or they're going to they're going to you know set aside this amount of time, and they're going to. I am not disciplined. Like I don't write. I'm not either. I don't write unless the characters are talking to me. 
Right. And sometimes right. they're not, sometimes they need a little nudge. So yeah, I have to sit down and actually mm-hmm. try, but yeah, I like, I forgot who it, I remember. I think it was like Marie force. That was like, you know, I make sure that I write 2,500 words before, uh, before like lunchtime. And it may not have been her, but like, it's just, I remember somebody saying that. And I just remember thinking, I don't come downstairs until 10 o'clock. Like, right. <laughs> you know? Which makes everybody crazy. If you ever you want to watch other authors' heads explode, tell them how Samantha Chase runs her day. And they will all look at you like, oh my God, how do you function? Like, what is wrong with you? You know what? My kids are grown. Why do I have to yeah. get up at seven o'clock in the morning? I work. You absolutely do not. Yeah, I work from home. Why do I have, why, why does that mean that I have to get up that early if that's not when I want to get up? No, you can, because you're, I mean, your day ends later probably. It does. Probably than everybody else. It does. You know, like after dinner at night, I come in my office and I do, and I work, I work till about 11 o'clock, but my day doesn't start until 10. Oh, wow. So you, like, I'm curious then, what, what does your day look like? Like, are you doing other things? Are you writing all day, then you're having dinner, and then you're writing all night? Um, Like I said, it depends on if the characters are talking. But typically, right. I, I wake up between like eight and nine. I have my little laptop next to the bed. And I go in there and I check my emails from the comfort of my bed. <laughs> I, I have one of those adjustable beds. So I get in that zero G position. <laughs> And like a fucking diva that I am, I guess I sit there. I straighten my tiara. And I I start my day like that. My dog doesn't even, like my dog gives me the stink eye if I I wake her up before nine o'clock. Like she looks at me like, what the fuck is this? Like, hello. Oh my God. Yeah. So she's she's equally a diva. So between like 9.30 and 10, I go and get the dog. We go downstairs. I get her her breakfast. She does, we go through her whole morning routine. I come in my office and get things set up. I look at all my, my analytic reports and all that stuff. See what yesterday's sales were like. And my mom calls me every day at 10 o'clock in the morning, every day. Oh, I love it. Without fail. We, we talk for about 30 minutes and it's so funny. My sister is like, what the hell do the two of you talk about every day for 30 minutes? (laughs) And I'm like, it's not all like, you know, invigorating conversation. Sometimes it's not even interesting conversation, but you know, mom's mom's getting older and you know, she just, she doesn't get out as much either. And she doesn't have a lot of friends. So she wants to call and bitch at me about her neighbor or somebody making noise. I'll listen to it. You know, (laughs) I'll listen. (laughs) By the time I get her off the phone, I'm, I'm at the computer and like a lot of it, as you know, is being an author, it's not only about the writing. It's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, you're answering messages. Look, it's so much admin. It is. It's a lot of admin yeah. stuff. And it, like, yeah. I had a cover reveal last week. And by the time you go through all the Instagram posts and all the Facebook posts and you thank everybody and you leave yep. a comment. And you share and you do. Yep. Yeah. Like, so that takes time. So by that point, now we're looking at lunchtime. My husband calls me every day at lunchtime. <laughs> every day at lunchtime. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter if I say, Hey, I'm going to be busy. Don't call. I had that too. Yeah. I had that too for a very long time and it finally stopped. Oh, how did you make it stop? (laughs) He got a different job. Oh, okay. Oh, 
you know, like I am sure that there's going to come a time that I'm going to look back on this and be like, how freaking sweet that he called me every yeah. day. But there are just days I'm like, I have got nothing to say to you. Like, yeah. And I'm so busy. Yeah. And stop. Yeah. Stop, please. You know, so you get him off the phone, you have some lunch. Now you're looking at like one or two o'clock in the afternoon before yeah. you're like sitting down to actually do anything, you know, right. and then he comes home at four o'clock. My son, because he still lives at home and he doesn't go to work at five. So he comes strolling down around three. So now I got to talk to him for a little bit. Then I'm <laughs> talking to him. The husband's home and you have to talk to him for a little bit. Then I get back in the office and it's like, okay, I have like an hour to like maybe get some writing done. Oh, wait, now it's time to start cooking dinner. Now I got to cook dinner. Now you got to sit down to dinner. Oh so by the time I come back in my office, I've like gotten maybe 75 words written, <laughs> even though I've been sitting at my desk. <laughs> trying to get shit done all day. So yeah. So from like eight to 11, that's my creative time. I, I am actually really blown away that you can do it because I used, you know, I used to write at night and then I, and then I flipped it and I started writing in the morning because I found that I wasn't getting the words in. Okay. If I didn't do it first thing, it was so easy for me. It's kind of like going to the gym, right? Like, like if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm home or like, like it's really hard to go to the gym at the end of the day. Yes, it is. Oh, and I did. I, you know, I, I added that and I started I started doing water aerobics three times a week, three mornings a week. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, but if you don't do it first thing, uh -huh. it is so easy to be like, oh, I'm not going to do it. So before COVID, I had a really great schedule set up where I woke up, got my daughter off to school, took care of the dogs, sat down, wrote for like two hours, went to the gym. And then started my freelance day. Okay. COVID upended all of Right. That. You know, so like a lot of things shifted and changed and, you know, and, and so now I'm like, I don't actually, between the releases and everything else, I actually haven't been writing anything new because mm -hmm. I've been in like editing and releasing mode. Right. You know, and also like, you know, some work stuff has propped up that's kind of like kept me really, really busy. So I, so it's just like, so, and I, and I'm always like, well, you could write at night, but it's like by the time, you know, seven o'clock rolls around, I'm dog fucking tired. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm kind of astounded that you can, that, that you can do this at night and your creativity is there. Cause I feel like mine, you know, when I moved to daytime, I was, I actually, was better about it when I moved to like first thing in the morning. Well, you know, what's, what's weird is that when we were at the beach, I was more productive during the day, earlier in the day. And interesting. And then we'd come back to like every day, like he would go out fishing, like at the crack of dawn, he'd be out of the house and on the beach and I'd get up and I'd do my thing and I would write, and we would go out to dinner every night. And then when we came home, he'd go back out and fish. And so I would have like the house to myself to do more writing. And at night I was never as productive. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I think I just need to move huh. to the beach. I think that the lesson that we're all going to take away from this is that Samantha Chase beach. deserves a beach house <laughs> and, and she can write a whole lot more. Please buy her books right. so that she can buy the damn That's beach right. house. All I'm saying, people, it's a little give and take. <laughs> but you know what? Right, I... right now, I am, I am, my next four releases are written and ready to like they're Amazing. they're either like already edited or at the editor right now so like i'm ahead of myself and i need to keep that momentum going yeah 
because yeah. that hasn't So happened. do you really do you sort of like bank all of your books before you release? You know, like if you have like so that you can release like within a few weeks or whatever, or do you just like finish one, release, finish one, release? Um, for a while there, it was like finish one, release because I was just yeah. not, I I just couldn't keep up. Like like well, like I, I was telling you earlier, I mean, this year was just so awful. That um, yeah. it was that was all I could do to get each release out when it needed to be out. I haven't been ahead since early 2020, and wow, yeah, and that was and I was really ahead at that point because I was getting ready to have shoulder surgery, so I had no idea what the recovery was going to be like. So I made sure leading up to that that I had a bunch of books in the bank ready to go. Right, right. But now I'm just I'm I'm excited to be this ahead again and to just keep going so that I can have them in the bank so that maybe in 2023 I could breathe. Yeah. That's the yeah. goal at this you point. You need it. Mm-hmm. You need it. You need it. Yeah. So I want to read a steamy steamy scene. <laughs> His for the holidays. Yes, that was last year's Christmas. Last year's Christmas. Okay, so tell me about the book. Tell us about the book. All right. The funniest thing about this book is that it was inspired because my husband and I were toying with the idea that we were going to have to move his parents here to North Carolina. They live in Florida. And so I had to go and we would go and visit these like 55 and over like communities and look at the apartments and like meet with the people. And then you'd hear about all the fun things that they do. And just some of the antics that go on in these places was hysterical. So I was like, I am totally putting that in a book because these 55 and older people are freaking riots. Okay. They are just, (laughs) they are cutthroat in some ways. They are competitive. They are, they, everything is about like their kids and their grandkids and who's coming to visit and who has more people coming here. And I'm like, that is, that shit's going in a book. So I, I knew that I wanted to have a 55 and over community setting and, but I wanted my hero and heroine, like, you know, I, I, I always wanted to do a stuck in an elevator together. I don't know why, but I really, really did. So I had it that these, they were neighbors who really didn't know each other. They lived in the same apartment complex and they're a younger couple. And she kind of like, she's happy to be away from her family. Her family lives several hundred miles away. His, okay. his family lives a little bit closer, but they're all trying to match him up with somebody like the holidays are coming and they want him settled down. Like they want him to find a wife and get married and start having kids. And so while they're trapped in the elevator together, she decides that she'll help him and be like his fake date through the holidays to get his family off his back. Okay. And so part of that time they spend visiting his mom who lives in this 55 and older building and all the craziness that the neighbors all do in this place. Oh, that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is that's actually as I've been ODing on Hallmark, uh-huh. that is like actually the best Hallmark setup ever. <laughs> that's I'm uh, you know what the producer who did The Christmas Cottage, I actually pitched that to him and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not looking to do any rom-commy stuff." Say, "Rom-com. Kiss of Death for Samantha Chase." Oh my God, it's a kiss, a kiss of death for me too. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. interesting because it's rom coming, but it's it's really. I mean, I think it, okay, <laughs> it's small town, right? 
And small town always has that element of, you know, I mean, the the side the sidekicks in small town romance mm-hmm. are funny. Yep. And so, you know, like, I don't think my main characters are all that funny. Right. Like, I think it's the side, the, the side pieces. Right. That it's, make it hilarious. Right. The quirky people around your couple. So does that make it small town or does that make it rom-com? I still say small town. I would say small town. So maybe, maybe, maybe it is like re, mm-hmm. like repositioning for, for me. Because when you're telling me that, I'm like, that sounds really fun, but it doesn't sound common. Like it doesn't, like, I'm not like, I'm not going, listening to this going, oh, that's rom-com. Right. It is romance with some comedic elements that yes. I downplay when I talk about it because. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's the kiss of death with Samantha It is. I mean, who knew? Who freaking knew? All right. So I'm a sucker for a fake dating trope. Like, I love fake dating. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the fake couple. I think that it's, like, the best trope ever. Um, That and forced proximity are two of my go-tos. Like, I love those. So I'm sort of all over this this fake dating thing. Yes. And... They've got the, Go they've got the forced proximity in there too because now they're like snowed in at the fifty five and over community. Yes, <laughs> my two favorite tropes. So I picked option two because I know you sent me the two right. options to read. I picked option two. Okay. Um. So we're in um, we're in our we're in Hannah's point of view. Right. And um, this is a, this is some spiciness. We got a little spice going on here, a little bit more spice than the first one. Is it medium spice or is it high spice? <laughs> Sporty spice. <laughs> what? So, so where are we at this point? Like, where are we in the story? I have to remember where, where in the book that I sent it to you. We um, have to be. Okay. Do you want me to just yes. start reading and then you can be like, okay, yeah, this is where yes. we're Because I'm just like, you didn't, what you sent me isn't terribly long and I just really loved it so much that I just want to read the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> we're going to start and stop though. Okay. So. Okay. Here we go. We're in Hannah's point of view. Okay. She hadn't lied when she told him about the, the epiphany about the two of them. She just hadn't expected Gage to respond so enthusiastically and she didn't regret it for a minute. His body was lean and warm and hard all over, and Hannah couldn't wait to peel him out of his suit. Tonight, he had looked like he'd stepped off the pages of GQ. And that, and now that she knew him better, she realized there was nothing lawyer-ish about him. And there wasn't a damn thing wrong, wrong with that. Hiking her dress up slightly, she straddled his lap and kissed him as if her life depended on it. When they had been trapped in the elevator, she had wanted to get to this stage, this frantic and needy feeling where all either of them could do was rub up against each other, building them up into a frenzy. It was just crazy how fast it was happening. Never before had she felt this turned on or this wildly out of control with a man. Obviously, she'd been turned on by other guys and enjoyed sex with them. But right now, with Gage, felt like all of that on steroids. Her skin felt too tight. Her dress and bra and panties irritated her beyond belief. All she knew was that she wanted his hands, mouth, and body on her everywhere. Soon. Their kisses became needier, hungrier, more urgent. Beneath her, she felt his arousal, and it was simply all she could do to hang on to the last threads of her sanity. Bedroom, she panted against his lips. Please. Now. Gage stood up with her wrapped around him. 
They were both breathless, but refrained from kissing, simply staring intently into each other's eyes as he made his way to her room. Of course, he knew exactly where it was since his apartment was identical to hers, but Hannah said a quick and silent prayer of thanks that she remembered to clean it up before they left earlier. (laughs) I loved that little bit. I'm going to stop there because I was like... This is like what I love about your writing. There's so many like I'm just like reading that and I'm like, yep, true story. Like, <laughs> I have to tell you, like I my face is probably like 47 shades of red because the way that you read that, I'm like, that sounds so much sexier than the way it sounded in mine when I wrote it. <laughs> no wonder my readers get mad at me sometimes. That's right. Like, what? <laughs> So, so that is about, I'd say maybe a quarter of a third or a third of the way through the book into the book where like, Oh, it's relatively early. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so they're not even going to really pretend that there's no attraction. Exactly. In terms of the fake dating. Exactly. They had done a few little things like she had met some of his family and had sort of like been play flirting with one of each other, with each other and then realized like, okay. So there's an attraction here and we're obviously going to be doing like all this flirty kissing stuff. So we might as well just enjoy it and know that this is just a temporary thing. So, Uh, mm -hmm. okay. And she's the one that's more like, this has got to be temporary. Like this is not a long-term thing. This is completely fake, but we're just going to, we're going to enjoy it while we can. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I don't want to ask the why for that because we we need to learn that in the book. Yes. But I, I kind of think I'm because, you know, I was not expecting this to be towards the beginning. And when you said, oh, quarter to a third, I was like, wow. So how how do we, what's going to happen here? But this is like we're fake dating, but we're kind of friends with benefits. We might as well make the most of exactly. it. Exactly. While we're fake doing this fake dating thing. And so actually now whatever happens next is clearly they are going to fall in love. Yep. And he's like all in from the get go. Like he's just like hell yeah like but he wants he's the one that really is looking for the forever and she's the one that's like yeah no we have to keep this you know compartmentalized you know oh interesting see you know i really like you know that's mostly like what i write is like the guy the man is like wants that relationship and the woman is the one saying "Mm, nah right you know like And she's not chasing. Right. Um, you know, and I and I love that. And I think that it's really interesting because I don't you know, I, I, I don't I don't know that I don't know. I'm trying to think about romances like is that typical in romances or is that atypical or is it like fifty fifty? Probably fifty fifty. Really yeah. Yeah. I think more fifty fifty. But I know I sort of t- I tend to write more about the woman who's sort of like, I'm too busy. I don't need this in my life right now. I don't have time to fall in love. I don't have in, in, any interest in falling in love. And and he's the one that changes her mind. I don't think that I do that one nearly as much as I should. You know, mm. I think that a lot of times, like, it's either it's a mutual thing. Like, they're both, they're both going into it feeling the same way. Or... Right. Or she's the one that wants the relationship and he's the one that needs to be convinced. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to keep reading. Okay. Get ready. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Careful. 
Carefully, he lowered her to the bed before covering her body with his, and Hannah sighed with how incredible he felt. Raising her head, she went to kiss him again, but he stopped her. Do you know what I thought earlier tonight when you first opened the door? She shook her head. I thought you looked like the sexiest Christmas present, and all I wanted to do was unwrap you. (laughs) She had on a red wrap dress. Oh my God. Uh-huh. So I read that, like I read that and I was like kicking myself. Cause like, that was perfect. And that was like my missed opportunity right there. We could have had like a wedding present unwrapped. <laughs> like I was like, it's so obvious. Right. And I'm like, you didn't do that. You stupid. And in my head, I'm like, can I kind of rewrite a few scenes before the release? I think I might have time, you know? And I'm just like, no, I didn't do that. And I, that was a total missed opportunity. And I kind of feel like Like, I think that's where, like, because you love, like, I'm sort of at Christmas, like, I'm kind of apathetic about it. So I think that that might be where the difference is because you can't, like, I'm not really thinking about, like, like for me, Christmas is, oh, fuck, I have to, like, go shopping. Oh, fuck, I have to get, like, oh, like, they're, like, like, it's always, like, oh, fuck always precedes whatever it is that I have to do around Christmas. It just feels like one more thing I have to do that I don't have time for. And so, like, you know, when I go to people's houses and they've decked the fucking halls and I'm like, really? How? You know, like, how do you have time for all this shit? And, you know, they've got the carols going. I don't know. I'm kind of going, well, maybe I'll, like, convince myself to do it differently this year with with all my Hallmark watching. Maybe. It may may make you feel a little more festive. But if it doesn't, so what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not cut out to write, you know, holiday novellas. Well, it, I think like when I when I started doing this, I was so like because of the success of the Christmas Cottage that I was like, man, that is that is like that's where it's at. Like that was like that's where my audience is. That's what they want. And it's mm. just like anything else. Like when I when I decided to then make a Christmas series, they were all right. over it for like books one through three. And then it was just sort of like, oh, yeah, look, she's got another book in that series. You know, like I'll read it eventually. But, you know, readers are funny. They're either, you know, you never know yeah. what they're going to be into. So don't force it. If like you're not loving it, then then don't force it. For my urban fantasy, I did do a holiday novella, but it was like the 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 um the subhead was holidays or hell. Oh. So that just <laughs> <laughs> Yes. It's urban fantasy. Stop trying to write we're holiday. Dealing- That's all I yeah, like, <laughs> 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 <Maybe> holidays. <laughs> Such a great idea for this one. <laughs> just I have a question about your Christmas series. Is every book set at Christmas or have you done or is it just because it's Christmas year round at this town that you can set it in like September or February or whatever? Actually, or is it always set around it's Christmas? It's always set around Christmas. Okay. All yeah. right. I'm I'm kind of curious, like what does the town look like on April first? Yeah, you know, I I never did a deep dive like that. It's it's the town was located in upstate New York, so you know that it's cold probably it's like cold. like year round yeah. almost. Yeah. But um <laughs> the one hot day in August. Right. Yes. <laughs> But I mean, like I made this town like as obnoxiously Christmas as you could get, like from the moment like you get you see the sign that says welcome to Silver Bell Falls. If you roll down your window, like the the song Silver Bells is playing and just like everywhere you went, that's what it was. And 
the heroine in that first book, she is very anti-Christmas because like everything bad in her life has happened at Christmas. At Christmas. Like right. her mom took off like when she was four at Christmas and like took all of her, all the Christmas gifts with her. Um, you know, like her and her dad, like who raised her, you know, like they got violently ill one year at Christmas. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> a bad stuff. So when she's like, she and her grandmother who had pretty much not bothered to have any part of her life um, dies and leaves her this house in this Christmas town. So she's like, great. So this, this bitch who had nothing to do with me, like, this is the last big, like, fuck you that she's just like, now you have to go and live in this Christmas town in order to get your inheritance. So she's like, it's just torture for her every day that she has to step outside that house and just be surrounded by people who are just so happy and jolly all the damn time. Oh my God. Note to self, one click this whole series <laughs> when I finish talking to you because I'm like, oh my God, I am the biggest bah humbug and this sounds right up my alley. <laughs> and the, the funny, the, the thing that I did with that, for, with that first book was um, I had like 25 people like on my street team at that time. And every right. one of them are in that book. Like a character is named after every one of them in that book. So, like, oh, I, fun. They are the townspeople. And then when I did book two the following year, I tried to fit everybody in, but I my, my the street team had like doubled by that point. Oh, and afterwards I'm like yeah. I'm like, hey guys, we're not doing that anymore. Like you know yeah. who you are, and I love you, but your names aren't going <laughs> in the book anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, we can't do it because yeah. a small town has to stay small. Exactly. It's a- exactly. <laughs> okay. So so yeah, it was it was a fun series, and I really I wrote it. Um, like after I got the deal with Hallmark, because I was like, okay, they, they seemed interested. Like they had asked me, are there any more books mm. in the Christmas cottage series? And I'm like, mm. I'm like, no, that was kind of like a one and done. I mean, there is a, there is a book that like is like takes off, like right where that book left off. Right. But the way that the movie was done, you couldn't, you, that book is, you couldn't do yeah, it. The book is useless. Okay. So my goal was, I was like, I'm going to write another, I'm going to write a Christmas series so that if they come back right. and they want something from me, I could be like, Hey, here's six books in this world that you could right. do something with. And they never did. They never, they never asked to look at it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But you know, holiday, like Halloween, ho- Hollywood, Halloween, holiday, yeah. Hollywood. <laughs> You know, they're slow. They are. They are. They're slow. It can take a really long time. Exactly. So I have not given up and I still, you know, I will pitch the hell out of any of these Christmas books to anybody that wants that that's interested in them because there's a lot of networks now, a lot of streaming, you know. There are a lot of streaming, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the every you know, this recession or whatever, I don't know, we're we're in a, we're not. I don't know what's going on you know, economically or whatever is happening in the world, but the streaming services are really pulling back on their content. Yep. But you know what? It's only temporary. Exactly. You know, like this is just a hiccup and they're going to stop producing new content and then they're going to have an oh shit moment right. and then they're going to start, you know, churning out the content again. Right. I tell Because that's, that's the only way they can keep the viewers. Exactly. No, but I mean, as much as we all... Or I, sh- I, or I shouldn't say all. There are people that like love every year, like when to look at all those Christmas specials, like Charlie Brown Christmas mm-hmm. and like Rudolph the Red Nose. Like you love seeing them every year, right? But 
then you hit a point where you're like, something new to watch could be fun. So like, you, right. you can't just keep recycling that same content. Eventually, you're going to have to put something new back out there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Got to keep going. Okay. This is some good shit. Okay. <laughs> okay. So all, all he wanted to do was unwrap her. Yes. His voice was low and gruff and sent shivers of delight down her spine. Holding up his hand, she saw it was trembling slightly. This is what you do to me. Just the thought of being able to touch you has me like this. Without breaking eye contact, Hannah reached over to the tie on the side of her dress and gave it a little pull pull to loosen it before handing it to Gage. I'm all yours, she whispered. And that was just to give you a little head start. His smile was almost wolfish as he took the tie from her hands. She waited for him to tear her dress open, but he didn't. If anything, his movements were slow and reverent, like he was savoring the moment. And she and she fell a little bit in love with him right then and there. He didn't kiss her. He didn't say a word. But every touch and every caress were just as powerful. Her dress of choice tonight worked in their favor because it literally wrapped around her body. And when Gage peeled it open, exposing the matching red bra and panties, the look on his face spoke volumes. With her own trembling hand, she reached up and cupped his cheek. I want you. One large hand covers hers as the other co- covered hers as the other caressed the swell of her breast. That's good because I want you to so much, Hannah. I've imagined you look like this every single night since the night in the elevator. Ooh, he's given it up. As exciting as that was to hear, she didn't want to talk anymore. She wanted him. She needed him. And as she guided him closer, she, so she could finally kiss him again, she couldn't wait to have him. And we fade to black. And we fade to Aww. black. See, that's not sweet. There's nothing it's sweet not. about that. It's not. It's a little dirty. It is a little dirty. I mean, it's not like, you know, you don't have like pulsating cocks right. and all of that. But like, I think it's, I think it's steamy as fuck. Yeah. I think it's steamy. Yeah. Nobody, nobody agrees. <laughs> And like, I mean, coming from somebody who reads steamy romance, like, I don't know, I could take it or leave it. I don't like, I don't, I don't like sweet, like, or clean or like whatever. Like, I don't, like, I don't like the chaste stuff. I really don't because I don't feel like that's really true. Exactly. That's where, that's where, that's why it bugs me because I really feel like any two human beings that get together and feel that sexual attraction are only going to be chased for a very short period of time. Exactly. And, and, and if you're holding on to it for whatever reason, and I know some people do, but in my world and in my worldview and my experience, you do eventually give into that. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so that is why I don't really enjoy reading that because I feel like, you know, even like watching the Hallmark movies, which again, crack, I'm addicted. I can't wait to see what's on tonight. Right. Because it's probably new because it's Friday. (laughs) But like, I don't, it bothers me that they have the chase kiss at the end. Yeah. Because it doesn't even feel like a slow burn to me. No. Like it does, because like slow burn, you maybe you're getting interrupted. Like you feel like they're, because it does, I don't even like notice any real chemistry between these two people. Exactly. Until the very last. And and that, and that is where I'm like, that is the one part of the Hallmark stuff where I'm just like, yeah, no, this this isn't ringing true. Right. Because in any other situation, they would probably be all over each other. Yeah. I agree. I mean, like, 
in the, in the movie that they did of the Christmas Cottage, I think that that was one of the few movies where like they were snowed in together. I mean, like if anybody could have been like you know sharing a bed, you know. <laughs> That was the scene, you know what I mean? Like, they had a whole house to themselves, you know? Like, they didn't need to be on, like, opposite couches, you know? They were, right. They were they were a couple who, like, they had dated before. So, at least the way that they did in the movie. You know, so there was the familiarity there. Like, there was no reason why they had to be so chaste on the separate couches. Right. But, but that's just how they wanted to do it. That's their formula, you know? And, yeah. and obviously it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny, like, sort of, like, the start of the movies to see, like, rated G. And I'm like, like, as a romance writer and knowing, like, what most books, like, what happens in most books and to see, like, uh, this is so clearly a romance and it's rated G. It gets me every time. I'm like, how is this rated G? And yet there it is. It's rated G. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I look at it sometimes, like, because I know, I know other authors who've had their books turned into Hallmark movies and how different they all turn out and I kind of like sometimes I'm like what did what did you even like about the book that you (laughs) that you found the need to like change it so much right you know and again they weren't bad movies it's just they weren't the book they weren't the book it sort of reminds me of like when you go like look at recipes online and if there's a comment section somebody is like oh this was really good and then they say but I did this and they have all of these things that they substitutions and additions and all of a sudden you're like you didn't even make the fucking exactly like exactly (laughs) like you're like that's a totally different recipe right right. Like, okay, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but like, no, that's not the recipe anymore. Like two ingredients that I had and like, that was it. Like it was like flour. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe eggs. Right, maybe, maybe. Oh my gosh. And that's something completely different. And that's kind of, I feel like what's happening with Hallmark when they get their hands on something. Yeah, it's true. It's, and you know, that's. All right, the flip side to that, and I know that we're totally going off script here with all this, but like, um, I can remember when. Have you ever watched any of the movies like on Passion Flicks? Have you watched any of them? No, I haven't. Okay, what I loved about Passion Flicks when they first like announced that they were going to become a thing, they were like, "We are doing your book true to like everything that's in there. So if you're a hero and heroine, mm. we're like wearing like a red shirt, blue jeans in the book. That's what they're wearing in the movies." And so that was fantastic. What nobody took into consideration, okay, and I haven't watched a lot of them, but like I watched a few, is that the way things are written in a book mm-hmm. don't always sound natural mm-hmm. <laughs> in reality. Yes. Okay. So I'm like, okay, somebody could have taken a little bit of creative license with this. I mean, like, we. Right. We don't need to actually. <laughs> Well, like, there's a happy medium there, right? right? Like, you know, and I can think of, like, I felt like Game of Thrones did it really well. Okay. Where they were able to, um, with the first couple, when they had books to work from, they were actually able to distill the important bits from the books and actually get them out onto the page. So it was the books, but different. And, And as a fan of the books, you could really appreciate what was happening. Right. You know, 
on the screen and 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 it did, one didn't take away from the other in fact if anything they enhanced it because there were so many fucking characters in game of thrones it was actually really useful to have actors yeah playing roles oh yeah so that you could keep track of them right. you know so i actually like really enjoyed the, the series because i was like no this makes sense um you know, so there's a way there is a way to do it, but no, you can't just take a book and plop it yeah. like and just like you know hand the act like hand actors the book and be like, okay, read. You know, like you can't right. do that. Exactly, you can't do that. Exactly. That's an audiobook. Yes, with with visuals. Yes, like, no, because <laughs> they're just two different mediums, and you have to you have to write for a medium. You have to create for the very specific medium. Exactly. And I know that some purists like probably get really mad. Like it's nothing like the book, but that's because it's not the book. Right. It's not a book. Like it needs to, it needs to be different. And But yeah, I think that maybe Hallmark might take it a little too far. They really, really do. They really, <laughs> really do. So, you know, they're making bank though. I mean, like they, people, uh, you know, like ourselves included. I mean, we are just like, okay, when's the next new movie coming out? What's on? What's happening? Yeah. Let me watch it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something really great. Like they've, they have a formula and it works really, really well. Right. You know, and I'm sort of like, you know, wondering, you know, I'm, I'm really watching it with this eye going, how do I crib this formula right. and translate it to a book? Because I do think that there's something there, there's something there. They, they've really hooked into something there. Right. Um, you know, and you know exactly what you're getting and the story is always different every time. And it's just, it's yeah it's like it's like having an oatmeal cookie yeah yeah or chocolate chip chocolate chip whatever thank you chocolate chip or sugar <laughs> straight up sugar <laughs> samantha it is always so much fun to talk to you your royal highness uh, i told you man mariah carey <laughs> um where can people find you where, where do you hang out on the internet and we know it's not tiktok where's the best yeah, it's definitely not on tiktok um, I am all over Instagram at Samantha Chase Romance and on Facebook, you could find me on, uh, it's Samantha Chase fan club. And I really wish I could change that, but I can't. Oh, I think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, I will have links in the show notes. So yeah. don't get in a car accident trying to like type this into your yeah. phone while you're driving. Exactly. Please, please, don't, please, do please don't do that. <laughs> Samantha, happy hauls. Yes, to you too. And I'm so and, excited and for this new journey for you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll see how it pans out. Oh. But yeah, <laughs> I'll let you know how the dictation is yeah, going. I, wanna, I want to know how that all is. And if you get that car and driver, I want to know. I will, you know <laughs> I'll be the one wearing the fucking tiara that's if right, I get a car and driver. I'm going to want to drive with you. <laughs> And we need to plan your trip up here so you can take a look at this magical town. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Samantha, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like we really, we did not stay on script hardly at all, but I love talking with you. I know. It's yeah. always so fun. It's like, you know, we were supposed to talk about Christmas. Did we? Kind of. We, we did. did we got it in there. We could have. We got it in there. Maybe. <laughs> and in case we didn't enough, Christmas. There you go. Christmas holiday. That's right. Jingle bells. Right. Jingle balls. Jingle ball. oh, wait. <laughs> we're closing this, the door. This is steam scenes. This is steam scenes. Now we're closing the door. In case you couldn't tell, Samantha is one of my favorite people. And it's always so much fun to talk to her. I think we should do a podcast while sipping wine 
that'll totally go off the rails, but in the best way possible. So thank you for listening to our cackles. Now, if you could do me a huge solid and head on over to wherever you listen to podcasts and give this one a lovely five-star rating and a review if possible, I would really appreciate it. Like reviews and ratings on books, that helps with discoverability. And next time, I am joined by Taryn Lex, who writes short romances. So we're talking quickies. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. 